you for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you, folks. We certainly hope this finds you well and in the arms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's Friday. Thankful for Fridays. And uh, uh, Kevin Robb, sitting about 40 inches from me. What's going on, Kevin? Man, I'm just having fun being me and uh, to the glory of God. All to the glory of God. So here we are. You know, we're going through this fourth grade riddle thing. And I got to tell you, I'm being just totally being up front with you. We're not letting Kevin cheat in any way. And uh, so Boy, we're I'm not getting any of them. And he, he's <laughs> had a cheat? rough, he's had a rough week. All right. So we're coming into Friday and from Monday through Friday, <laughs> we're at zero percentage points. Uh, so out of 80 particular points we give to yeah we do we give 20 points a day uh he's currently at zero but today he could turn his prospects around and have a 20 percent for the week with the answer of this particular <laughs> question and i think this one's the easiest one of the week i think some are hard and it says which minor prophet is well known thanks to cookies um amos Famous Amos. Hey, yeah. hey, listen. hey, can I tell you, uh, Kevin's one for one today. I mean, <laughs> I mean he is all over that. So uh, we glory. Been, glory to God. He, he nailed that. And uh, old famous Amos, you got to watch out. Commitment issues. I tell you, when you look at PTSD, some people have commitment issues. They just can't make up their mind. Indecision, whatever you want to call it. I've always called it commitment issues. You would say to somebody, hey, you want to do that? Well, I don't know. I'm not mm. sure. That freaks me out worse than anything, folks. And uh, there's some Bible verses about it. And Proverbs 16, 3 says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy works shall be established. And uh, so it encourages us, commit your plans. If God lets you feel good about it, do it. Psalm 37, mm. 5, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and ye shall bring it to pass. And again, and, and you know, I have met people. I remember, I think, now Debbie might, I hope she can't hear me, but I remember when I met Debbie and, and I asked her to hang out with me or so I don't, I don't remember the exact dialogue, but it's something like, Hey Debbie, do you want to go out? And she said something like, you know, I have a boyfriend and I said, I'm not interested in him, but she, <laughs> she had no commitment issue. She was able to commit, say yes. And, uh, 40 something years later, 40 years later, and that was a year of dating in there, but you know, it's about Folks, and it's not just about that. It's commitment to do things for God. It's commitment to get up off the couch. It's commitment to take a new job. It's commitment to trust God in all those things. Brother Kevin, what are you thinking when you think of commitment issues? Yeah, you know, uh, indecision is a decision. And uh, that, that's why, you know, neglecting Christ ultimately will become rejecting Christ. And so, you know, you're talking about indecision and you know your wife made things plain there i think that you know when you're going through trauma it's often you're just thinking you know things have gone so bad that i i don't want to make another decision and make it and possibly make it get worse so no decision is going to be the best decision and like you're saying that is not the way to try to live life and I, i've experienced that i you know you're when you're in damage control mode i get it you don't want to make a 
decision for something new. Don't make decisions in the darkness. Um, but when you're going through something, some things do require decision. When you're healing, there are some things. The decision to heal is a decision you ought to make. Yeah, don't make a decision to leave your spouse because of trauma. You know, don't don't make that, you know, don't make a, a life-changing decision you know, to, that's, that's bad. You know, the fact that Jesus put it this way, let every man abide in the same, this is Paul talking in first Corinthians chapter seven, let a man therefore abide in the calling wherewith he was called. Don't change horses midstream. Don't change things mid trauma. Let things heal before you, you know, shift gears. But if you're already in something, you know, finish it out. Don't don't say, well, here I am midstream and I'm starting to feel uneasy about things. I think I'm just going to stop here on my horse. No, let you know, go ahead and kick, you know, give the give the spurs the little jolt that they need to get the horse going. Get it across. Don't be paralyzed by trauma. That's not where you want to land. Yeah. And that's easy to happen, folks. And it, it's easy to, uh, if you're not careful, I had a friend of mine years ago, he was in the army and he just had a real tough time picking girlfriends. And, and uh, uh, you know, I was a married guy, I guess, had some more discernment and things like that. He was a, he was a captain. I'll never forget. By the way, folks, he went on to become a general. So he turned out, but he said, he said, Doug, you need to make all my decisions in regards to relationships. <laughs> I can't be trusted. So he would come up and show me some pictures or, or he would, he would take me somewhere and point someone out to me at a place and say, what do you think? Uh, you know, he'd have me talk to somebody. So I became his decision maker. I don't think that's a good idea, folks. I don't want to be anybody's decision maker, even though I did a good job with him. I just think that was a bad idea, you know, and, and I had people vying for my time who wanted to give me information to help someone else make a decision. Well, can I tell you, you got something within you that will help you make a decision. And that's the Holy Spirit of God. So trust in it, step out, it's going to be all right, things are going to go well. So here we are, we find ourselves wrapping up chapter six of the book of John. And uh, so it, we got verses 67 through 71. Before I start reading that, I want to remind you, we will be at Camp Joy in White Whitewater, Wisconsin, September 11th through September 15th. Make sure you sign up today. Call Mr. Moore. You'll see their number online there and uh, give him a court call today and they'll make your reservations. Make sure they get you in the right room. There's rooms, there's cottages, there's dorm rooms. Uh, there's a lot, to, a lot of different places they can put you there. And so here we are, John 6, starting in verse number 67. Then Jesus said unto the 12, will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered them, have not I chosen you 12 and one of you is a devil? Whoa. <laughs> he spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that would betray being of the 12. So we right away, Jesus starts questioning disciples' loyalties. And uh, he's got 12 people out there. And, and he says right away, hey, and one of you is a devil. 
And uh, so here's Peter, you know, and here's Peter. He's so, of course, Peter's speaking on behalf of the disciples, you know. So this guy's up there. He, he's talking the talk. He's he's up there and and he exposes, you know, I'm, I'm I have this unwavering faith to you. I'm all about you. Ye alone uh, bring eternal life. I found out in life when 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 I'm unwavering, unfledgling, I'll, I'll tell you, man. Sometimes that just comes back and slaps me right in the face, as it does with with mm. Peter too. Oh, I alone follow Christ. I'm the only, remember that with Elijah. I'm the only one here, man. There's no one around but me. Uh, every knee has bowed to Baal. Every knee has bowed to him, and mm-hmm. and God's like, shut up. <laughs> There's thousands of knees that have not bent themselves or bowed to me, and and you're just crying. So so Jesus acknowledges the disciples' faith, but he he does go on. And Kevin, he says, one of you is the devil, and uh, you know if you're the devil, you know he's talking to you. Uh, you know <laughs> he's having a conversation with him, Kevin. I mean, what are you thinking? Yeah. Well, what's what's amazing is sometimes when uh, when I as a preacher preach a message and I'm thinking, boy, this is probably going to hit brother so and so, you know, and yeah. he, he needs it. Yeah, yeah. Usually, he's the one that didn't get it, doesn't he? He seems, you know, apathetic, like we talked about yesterday, um, non-committed. But um, you know, and then sometimes the others are the ones looking at each other. Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? Lord, you know, sometimes the ones that you think should feel the most secure about their salvation are the ones that have doubts and then ones that you wish would be insecure are the ones like you know i'm so glad i'm saved and you're like man if 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 you're saved i'm not sure i want to keep my salvation but now the idea is that um jesus did test you know he tested this crowd thousands of people and they left you know he just turned up the heat the message got more difficult and um and then uh, after they left, if you can picture Jesus standing there, the crowd is walking away, fading off over the horizon. You know, thousands of people, man, woman, child, they're leaving. Um, evidently, the boy that brought his lunch, too. You know, I mean, what in the world is going on here? He turns to the 12 and says, are you going to go away? And that was a test. It was, like you said, a test of loyalty. And Peter answered, Lord, um, to whom shall we go? You know, at it, you know, it's the Lord, meaning you're our master. Where else are we going to go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And and Doug, you were talking earlier about when your decision maker is broken. The tendency is to say, I want someone else to make my decisions for me, some human. But, um, you know, Simon Peter's like, Lord, you've been my decision maker. I am plugged into you. If I were to unplug from you, I don't have anyone else. Yeah, ain't that the truth? And uh, boy, I'll tell you, and, and, and much more of this going on, it's so important. We're plugged into the right one. We're making those right decisions. Hang with us. Doug will return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements.
You know, I'm always blown away that those who are closest to Jesus could be in betrayal mode. And mm. uh, I know a lot of us, when we first get saved and we start reading the Bible and we come up to old Judas Iscariot and you realize that there are people who are going to betray Christ and, and it won't be off that terribly long as we continue on with the life of Christ and we'll see Peter denying Christ. And, you know, there mm. comes a time in our life, folks, uh, I'll tell you that uh, it may seem like the easiest thing to do, but don't deny your Lord. Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Trust in him. Recognize him as your source for eternal life. And it makes a big difference with your family. You know, we all wonder, I wonder if my kids are saved. Well, live a life where they want to be saved. Live a life that's mm-hmm. real. Live a life yeah. that would bring people to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, Kevin, you were, you were in the midst of talking about people's decision makers, and I was enjoying it, but we came right up. That, those pesky old <laughs> commercials sneak right up on us. <laughs> Yeah, the age-old problem, at least 100 years or so. Uh, Well, how often, I know I went through a real dark period in my life, and, you know, there was this, you know, I was, I was, there was some, some feeling of betrayal. There was, and I know any pastor that's listening, anyone that's been a leader of people where you love the people under you, you know the pain of betrayal. I had a pastor tell me, I have PTSD because of being stabbed in the back and betrayed. And um, I don't doubt that at all. Me either. And we're really trying to help people like that, help pastors. Highly recommended that they come out to uh, a camp. It'd be fantastic for you. But, um, you know, when you go through something like that, when you've been betrayed, deserted, whatever, you do, you, your decision maker is broken. You, you don't know what to think. And you want someone else to do the thinking for you. You don't want to commit to something. You want someone else to make the, the commitment for you, as it were. Some of that is normal, but you do, uh, we, we do have to realize that uh, ultimately we have the decision maker inside of us. And uh, this test that was levied, uh, you know, floated toward the the 12, will you also go away? Peter's response was, you know, Lord, we don't know who else we could get. We have plugged into you. You've been our decision maker. If I I went somewhere else, I think I would be settling for for something less, and I would be second-guessing every decision because someone else is making it for me. But yeah. Lord, you've never failed to lead me uh, as I've committed my works to you. We serve a great God. And, you know, I, I can't help but thinking about, you know, whenever you're talking about following the Lord, trusting the Lord, one of the subjects that I wrote down in my notes here, and I, I typed it well, we, since we've been talking is no man can serve two masters. And the problem going on with old Judas Iscariot, the problem going on with these disciples who are caught up is they're trying to serve two masters. And friends, can I tell you, so many of us do that today. You know, but the Bible says no man over in Matthew six twenty four no man can serve two masters for either he will hate one and love the other or else he will hold to one and despise the other and you cannot serve God and mammon and boy what a perfect verse to go along where we are in John chapter 6 you know who's the God you're serving what's the God you're serving what is he doing for you and here we serve this great and wonderful God and uh and and you know, why would we make someone else a master in that whole scheme of things? Why would you want to have someone else? And, you know, far too often, so I, I tried to think, I tried to make on my notes here a couple things that came to my mind. When people serve two masters, they serve money, 
They serve uh, girlfriends, boyfriends, husbands, wives. They serve kids. Kids is a big issue, man. They, they give up church to go there and play sports and get out there and drink snow cones. And they wonder when their kids are 22 or something. Why isn't my kid in church? Why aren't people following God? Well, you served two masters. And, and uh, uh, you know, God needs a singular devotion from you. Again, when it, when it comes to God, the word balance doesn't count. It's all the way for God. But when you get under that with family, when you get under that with church, when you get under that with work, then you want to have a good, healthy balance in there. But God needs to come first. So who are you serving? And, and, and Kevin, you know, I remember when we planted our church, one of the toughest things I had to deal with is people serving two masters. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, God's given us other, quote, masters. You know, there is a chain of command, but God has to be the priority. And if he's not the one, you know, I was just looking up while you were talking about that. um, Samuel was very upset in the Old Testament. He was a prophet, and the children of Israel had... um, for years served under judges and um, they, they were individually accountable to God. They were all plugged into God. Each family was plugged into God. Each person was plugged into God. That's the way it worked. And they eventually said, Hey, we want to have a King. And um, Samuel was sad and he cried all night to the Lord. And the Lord said this, hearken unto the voice of the people, Samuel, in all that I say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. And then Samuel went and said and told the, the words of the Lord unto the people. And he said, this will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots and horsemen, this, and some shall run before his chariots. So he will appoint him captains over thousands, over fifties. He will take your daughters to be confectionaries and be cooks, to be bakers. He will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards. Basically, he was saying, if you really want to have someone be your absolute decision maker and run your lives for you, it, you are opening yourself up for a narcissist. Sure enough, the first king they got was a narcissist. Saul looked good in the beginning. He, he physically looked good. He uh, won some early uh, victories militarily, but ultimately he became a narcissist. And sure enough, the, uh, the, he you know the, there was this um, oppressive nature of this uh, king. The devil got in the thing, literally. And, you know, I want to say this, oftentimes we get ourselves under an abusive thing. I know some some churches that vote in abusive pastors. There's one that was down in Dallas years ago. It was famous for having a, a high-profile narcissist at the helm, very immoral, serial adulterer. And um, so he was found out, and uh, he was kicked out. They got another guy, and uh, he was a narcissist from what I hear. They got another guy. He was a narcissist. A friend of mine, a sweet, humble pastor, was called by the head of the pulpit committee, the head deacon, saying, could you help us find a pastor? We don't know what we're doing, evidently. And, And they were just saying, could you help get our own decision maker squared away so that we could decide who God would appoint. And, you know, a lot of times people that are under narcissists rebound, they call it, they get a rebound relationship to another abusive relationship. And I think sometimes it's because a person brings into their life someone who will just be the knight in shining armor who will rule over them and make things great when really the answer is say, God, we want you at the helm 
and then bring someone into my life that I can love and help him and he can love and help me or she can love and help me. Yeah, man, it's so much. I remember, so 1 Corinthians 15, the first thing people think about when you talk about that chapter among preachers or people who are familiar with the Bible is the great resurrection chapter. And boy, I preached that funeral so many times. And But you mm. see these great words that say, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for so much as ye know that your labor is not in vain of the Lord. So we're encouraged to be steadfast, unmovable, to make commitments, to make the right choices, to trust God and abound in God. You know, when you make a decision, let people say, man, that was a godly decision. Boy, that person did the right thing. You can do that with the help of the Holy Spirit. You can do that. You can abound today. You can abound through all things. And so go out there wherever you're working today and abound. Flash that smile that only God can give you reach down, dig in, and you know what? God will use that for his glory in your life and the lives of others. And uh, God has a way of making things better. God has a way of taking good things and making them great. God has a way of changing our lives. But when we have commitment issues, folks, the first commitment we have to be able to make is say, God, I trust you. Do that today. Would you say, God, would you pray to him and say, God, I trust you. Folks, we can't wait for you to come back Monday. God bless. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation, outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner, as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, Understand that there is a cost to our sin, as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.